Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to see lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so our two-hour live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's happening in the news, trying to make sense of everything go through all the propaganda and man uh tuesday's coming up very 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 fast tuesday we are obviously going to be kicking it off and heading into the midterm elections and that's obviously a uh big deal uh huge ramification huge potential ramifications um It's going to be a very interesting time, and we thought we would take the time for this show, along with talking about a lot of other stuff that's going on, to kind of give you, we gave you predictions a couple of weeks ago, because we did our Halloween program, where I shared with you my predictions on how I thought things were going to go in the midterms, and I have not seen any evidence that has really changed uh, my initial uh, estimation that uh, there is a very strong likelihood that we are actually going to see Uh, Republicans take the House and the Senate. Now, with that being said, we had to leave the space for as long as there isn't anything weird that happens. And by that, I mean any sort of, we'll just call it fraudulent activity. That's not for me to have an excuse. I'm not going to claim someone losing a race is inherently fraudulent. Don't uh, don't go down that road because there might be people who would do such a thing. I am saying that there's a high potential of fraud (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I have very good reason to think so. And I'm going to put it very simply this way. It's 2022. I am currently talking to the entire world on the internet, sitting at a desk, talking into a microphone, but somehow we already have awkwardly and very competitive races, secretaries of state saying, or media personalities saying, well, it could take days, maybe even as much as a week for us to get the full vote totals from the election. Somebody give me one good reason why that's possible when we have literally had elections for a couple hundred years now, and we have known the outcomes consistently. Right. Uh, consistently within within that the day. within a day. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's only when Democrats seem like they might lose that it takes we have to do all these recounts. Yeah, I I, I it's just it is beyond the pale. Especially and here's the thing because the excuse is it's like well we have all these mail in ballots. Well, you had that in 2020. You should have been able to fix that. You've had two years to fix that. You don't get to, 
the the crazy part about it is they don't get to pretend like it's unprecedented. Remember, this was like the biggest source of contention um, that existed in the 2020 election was all of the sudden mail-in ballots to include the fact that there were states that violated their own constitutions for some of the mail-in balloting procedures. Uh, and they weren't, no one was allowed, no one was allowed to even question the violations of those constitutions because how dare you question democracy? And now we're heading into another election, which by the way, is going to have a far smaller turnout than a presidential election. That's just a given. That's exactly how it works. And we have uh, media companies saying, well, we're, we're probably not going to know the results the day of. We're probably not going to know the results the day of. That's insane. Mm-hmm. No, it's That's just weird. There's no reason for it. It's there's no basis in reality. We have the technology that is supporting the ability for us to be able to do this in real time. Additionally, I, the first election that I ever remember in my life was 1992. I was a young kid. 1992. We knew that Bill Clinton was the president of the United States before it was my bedtime. That was 1992, folks. There's zero way that 30 years later, it somehow got worse. Zero. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's it's doesn't make any sense that especially as well, the question would be why, as things have gotten more technically capable, have they seemingly become less reliable? Right. Which should be alarming. If it's if this is really the case, well, then we should go back to there's no mail-in voting. There's no electronic voting. Everyone has to do a paper ballot at the, you know, local ballot box. Yeah, at the polling site. But mm-hmm. that's that's not the case. There's there's something else. What I'm what I'm really saying here is people are right for questioning that. People are correct for thinking that that is weird and thinking that that is indicative of something nefarious. Yeah, And if democracy is so important, as everybody says, and if democracy is such a hallowed right and is such a sacred duty, then we should start at the level of this had better not be anything nefarious because anything that is nefarious against something like an election should be one of the most concerning things that this country has ever faced. Now, yeah. the reason why I'm saying this is prediction number one for what is what to expect after Tuesday is the balance of the Senate will not be decided Tuesday night. Somehow, yeah. some way, there is going to be in just enough races to question the outcome of the balance of the United States Senate, there's going to be just enough races that just can't be figured out that day. (laughs) Yeah. And it likely it is going to be, we'll see a Republican in the lead when they stop the counting and they move on. And I know, I know that I know that there are some conservatives in media that get very upset over the idea of anything that sounds even remotely like questioning like fraud in, in the election and things like that. But can we all at least just be honest before the emotions are high on Tuesday night? Can we be honest that that is complete and total bullshit? 
and that we can't like we we cannot fall for this again. We cannot fall for this by sitting there and being like, well, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe this time it's legit. Maybe that like, don't everybody just start screaming that it was fraud. Don't do the Trump thing, guys. Come, like I, I, I will lose total and complete faith in the GOP if they don't ferociously kick back on this. Now we have seen a lot right. of groundwork laid. There's a lot of lawyers. There's a lot of poll workers that have been trained. Like the work has been done and a lot of the heavy lifting has been done in a lot of locations that people just don't hear about. Like the GOP has done, at least in some areas, a very good job of getting in front of this kind of stuff. But I don't know if they have a strong enough backbone when the media decides that they're going to stop counting at 10 o'clock at night and then tell everybody that, well, gosh, we're not going to be able to restart till Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like this is all on GOP, much like in 2020, I believe the election, there was serious election fraud that happened, but even what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's right. on the GOP to recognize that it's on the GOP to ensure that these elections are being done correctly. And if there are irregularities to entertain them, investigate them and ensure that they can't just steal it again. Yep. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's, that's really, that's really the, the prime, the prime situation here is you're going to have to fight hard enough and and be willing to take the bad press as as it were uh because yeah. you're gonna get it the 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 press is already primed now i have other predictions and just understand everyone these kind of go in gradients so some of them will um conflict with others and i'll try my best to explain that but we are not going to know the balance of the senate Everyone should feel like that's shady. I am saying it today on Sunday because saying it in the midst of it isn't the same. There's, unless I'm mistaken, and feel free in the live chat, if you know, for those that are listening live right now, feel free in the live chat to tell me if there's a good reason that you can think of how we could already see this coming. And by that, hmm. I mean, I, I'm not seeing any good reason why there would be a substantial delay to any of the vote counting. But I'm telling you that on Tuesday, there will be one. This isn't me think like seeing a couple of locales and going, ah, see, there, that problem is going to make it to where we're not going to know. And I'm going to act like I know something, you know, through my crystal ball. I, I'm telling you, I have not seen anything that solidly gives me any indication why this would take so long, but it is absolutely going to happen. And that's what bothers me so damn much. If there are, say, a bunch of reports of elect of irregularities in this, this election and long counting and all these other things, do you know what tools Republican lawmakers would have at their disposal to combat this? Like who, the, who would, ha who would have the power to deal with this and what would that look like? So the, the immediate answer is uh, number one, it's people, it's having poll workers at polling places and a deep enough bench of lawyers in each locale 
to where if they see something suspicious, because the point of a poll worker, A, is to aid the citizen in voting and ensuring that they're able to, um, you know, peaceably conduct their right to vote. Uh, but number two, it's it's also to keep everyone honest. That That is a legitimate part of being a poll worker and a poll watcher is to keep everyone honest. That is part of the honesty metric is, you know, uh, our neighbors volunteer their time to sit and ensure that everyone gets access and also additionally that no no funny business happens. Well, when something weird happens, if people are being strange, like let's say, I don't know, uh, theoretically a bunch of wheeled suitcases get brought in and shoved underneath the table in Atlanta, Georgia, just as a theoretical. Um, <laughs> a Republican poll watcher um, would get on the phone and contact the lawyers for the RNC of that area and say, this is what I'm seeing. We need somebody down here like time now. And those lawyers would act. And that infrastructure has been set up in a lot of locations. So that's okay. number one. That's step one. What they would do is immediately lawyers would show up and immediately those lawyers are supposed to engage and say, what is going on over here? The burden of proof is on you to show that this that this is not um, interrupting, interfering, or potentially fraudulent. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. Makes number perfect sense. Second step, let's say things go, it gets weird, it gets super contentious. They can stop procedures on what's what's conducting, like, like what's happening with the vote, and it can get sent immediately to the Supreme Court of that state. Okay. Because you're going to have... These, so essentially the courts is who is going to deal with this. Yeah. Ulti the ultimate... Uh, Deciding factor in this is always going to end up being the Supreme Court of, of that state, if not the Supreme Court of the United States. Hmm. Okay. Think back to um, the, the election in 2000. It was decided in the United States Supreme Court. Right. Okay. Well, I certainly hope if there are any regularities, they get dealt with like that. Yeah. And... I guess I'll ask the question uh, before before moving into some of these other other thoughts and predictions. But I'll, I'll ask you the question, Alan. Do you think the Democrats would try to do some shady shit this time, given that how close it is and how fresh in everyone's memory 2020 is and the amount of screeching that they've done about Trump and coups and January 6th? Are they willing? I This is going to sound dumb. So sorry, I, I don't mean to preface it this much, but uh, you'll understand why. I understand that they have zero standards. Their standard is I win, you lose, I get power. But would they shoot their credibility with all of the American people over a midterm election? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> that's, they would. That's exactly what HG Cynical just said on, on chat. Same thing was just, yeah, absolutely. They're <laughs> so um oh, so they're and, not and, gonna care. And I think the reason why, I think the reason why they would absolutely do it is because they got away with it last time and i think they feel they can get away with it again because it doesn't matter how much we know that they cheated it doesn't matter how much they know that we know that they cheated as long as there is not as long as the the levers of power aren't being pulled when they cheat to punish them or stop them or anything like that it doesn't matter how obvious it is they're cheating because there's nothing stopping them and I think that 
if I was the Democrats, I would certainly feel pretty invulnerable that, yeah, we can cheat on any of these local elections and there's not there's no organized power structure able to stop us. That's going to turn all of the outrage of citizens into any kind of actual force. Okay, right, right, because because if you even try it, it's going to be a coup again. Right, exactly. It'll be a coup again, and the through the sort of legal mechanisms of power, the the GOP does not seem strong enough on a nationwide scale to fully deal with election interference in multiple places during a midterm election. It's like if the GOP can't mobilize resources nationwide to deal with uh, the huge voting irregularities in a presidential election, trying to do it everywhere across the country for a midterm election, I can understand how the Democrats would look at the their opposition and go, these people guys aren't going to be able to stop us. Well, and they've also done a very good job of laying the groundwork for a lot of Republicans to essentially be cutting the legs out from underneath their own constituents with all of the the effort by certain elements, the sort of never Trump side of the the establishment side of the Republican Party, making questioning voting synonymous with Trump supporting and anti democracy. Mm-hmm. I know I I've I know I've seen that, and I'm sure you I'm sure a number of us have. How there is articles in the National Review. It's like don't be an election denier. Just let them get away with it. The conservative <laughs> case for letting them take over our elections. And I think that that has been a a coordinated strategy to ensure the right it has to first overcome the hurdle of fighting itself before it can start fighting against election fraud. And that buys them enough time to get away with it. At least I feel like that's the calculus they're making. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you you brought that up. I I had actually forgotten because uh, you and I were were kind of sharing that article back and forth, and so I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah it's the um, National Review four days ago because there was a there was the election um, where it was uh, what was it Lula and uh, Bolsonaro? Yeah, and in I, Brazil, I didn't. Yeah, in Brazil, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I don't know a lot of people who did. I know that there were, I know that there was some shady stuff that happened over there. But it, also, I'm like, well, it's Brazil, of course it is. It's like a super corrupt, basically third world country, like, right? Whatever. So essentially, what it looked but, like, it looked a lot like the 2020 election. There was huge popular support for Bolsonaro, who's been the, the incumbent president, and then the far left candidate was Lula, who supposedly won the election. I guess again, like you, I don't know all the details. All I know is sort of what I've picked up on. And there are now huge demonstrations in Brazil with many of the protesters calling on the military to establish martial law to either redo the election or uh, deal with what they what apparently was uh, a lot of evidence of voter fraud and uh, down there. So now we'll see how that develops. Lula, I know, is like apparently a severe socialist, or at least that's what we're told in the United States. I assume it's probably correct because it's, you know, South America. Like he was supposed. <laughs> he was the anointed candidate by basically all the uh, far left groups, and you know that that the whole the whole list of bad guys 
all endorse yeah. this Lula character. They've hated Bolsonaro for being this right-wing demagogue who wants yeah, to... Yeah, he's the Brazilian Trump. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the Brazilian Trump, so he has to be taken down. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, it would be pretty cool if the military basically swept in, had a coup, and then reinstalled him as president. And then basically had some sort of Nuremberg-type event where they dragged everybody that compromised their election out and sent them into some sort of, I don't know, maybe hard labor camp for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so you're saying that more on the idea of, like, you would want it to be revealed if there was election fraud. Oh, You don't yes. really care whether or not it's, you don't care who the president of Brazil is. Oh, not particularly, no. But I want the global left, I guess, movement to suffer a massive blow and for it to become, and for it to be revealed in no uncertain terms that there are, was that there were coordinated attempts by left-wing groups to subvert the democracy of Brazil. Because that, because making that known to the point where it can't be refuted is what will, what absolutely destroys the credibility of any left, of the left-wing movement. It's all based on, you know, people, basically normal people would not be able to support a left-wing movement if it became revealed uh, just how the the depths of that they are willing to go to win. It's like, and I think I say in the United States, it's hard to think that you could have this happen here, but let's just say it somehow became revealed in absolutely inarguable way that the Democrat Party and left-wing advocacy groups were conspiring to steal, to fraudulently steal elections in the United States. It would become very that that would drive a wedge between the normal Democrat voting American who mostly whose politics are mostly just an affectation to feel good about themselves more than any sort of real vision for the future. It would mm -hmm. rob most any it would rob the vast majority of Democrat voters the ability to feel righteous about their own political decisions, and they would then feel embarrassed promoting those political beliefs. And that would be a huge win in the sort of culture war in the United States. It would be a win to expose it so much that every Democrat would have to feel ashamed that they ever voted Democrat. And that's what I want. And I don't know if ever, I'm ever going to get that, but I feel like that would be such a pleasant world to live in where it was where Democrats basically felt ashamed of telling you they ever were a Democrat. Well, in the, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> like, that's actually a really good rundown to be completely honest. Like, like that's, that, that's a great clarification to have because it kind of does give the baseline of, of all of it. But to, to cover the tweet from national review that you were referencing is the American right needs to turn away from election denialism. It's poisoning the conservative movement and more important, the Republic. And Bolsonaro is not the hill to die on, especially when he's just as terrible as the alternative. This is what I hate about the establishment Republican movement. Bolsonaro is a non-factor as much as Trump in reality is a non-factor in so much of this. And this is where these people are stupid. And this is where the establishment Republican groups are so just ungodly bad at doing anything properly. It isn't about Bolsonaro. It isn't about Trump. It is about 
the fact that Americans, regular, everyday working Americans, your voters, your supporters, your monetary stream are realizing that something shady is happening. They are realizing that there is fraud and that there are lies. There's propaganda and a concerted effort to take away the will of the American people that was evidenced quite a ways back, but became undeniable and so wildly exacerbated during the Trump years that they are demanding it be addressed. And it always goes back to that. And these idiots are like, Oh my God, like, why do people care so much about this person? It's not that. If right. you would just take the time to stop hanging out at cocktail parties with uh, uh, think tank idiots and senior fellows at who gives a damn unit, you know, who gives a damn think tank and mm-hmm. whatever, you would actually realize that that is the concern. They well, don't care about the name. They care about the yeah. fact that they know they're being disenfranchised every single day. This is why I say groups like the National Review are controlled opposition for the left, because there's absolutely no way that they don't know that. And it seems like all their efforts are an intentional, are intentionally designed at ensuring the right isn't going to mount effective resistance to left wing domination. Well, and and I'm a, I'm going to make the case real quick, and I, I want to use this as as the um, sort of the pillar that with which I'm going to build my case. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you why I think that there will be fraud on Tuesday, and none of it is it's not expansive. I don't need to have a bunch of cited sources. In fact, I'm going to build the case of it based on Democrats, not on mm-hmm. any Republicans. Not on anything shady. I won't, I don't even need to say the name George Soros. I mean, I did just say it, but you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't have to be long and sweeping at all. And I'll base it on Democrats. And this is exactly what we're talking about. And when you have groups like, you know, National Review or who the hell ever uh, telling us, oh my God, just ignore it because it's so embarrassing because Trevor Noah says stuff about it. And gosh, that's their reaction. Let me tell you why I think there will be fraud on Tuesday. If you truly believe that democracy is on the ballot, we've all heard that, right? That's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's been being said. It is one of the common things being said by every Democrat candidate. It's being said by every late night television host. It's being said by every million dollar paid uh, uh, network news anchor. Right. We have uh, to protect our democracy. Democracy is on the ballot. The fate of the Republic is on the ballot. The fate of the United States itself is on the ballot. Meaning, if you must vote for Democrats or democracy will die. If you don't vote for Democrats, the United States of America will be over. It will be the end of the free franchise of liberty of this Republic. That is what is being said. Right. And if you believe that even halfway, then it would justify any amount of fraud, lie. It, what wouldn't be justified if you believed that that was truly the case? If you don't, if you don't 
commit fraud. If you don't do everything, let me just put it that way. If you don't do everything in your power to ensure that you win the election, then what good are you? If you can't defend democracy, why would you even be a political party? Sure. I, I, I mean that sincerely. They, it, it, they are making the case that it is not only required to do everything in their power to win. Certainly. But it's a moral imperative. Of course. Yeah. And that's, and, th- and that's why I would be, it's same with Trump. I, if you t- look at how did people on the left talk about Trump, if they were halfway honest when they just when they just talked about Trump, then the idea that they would commit election fraud in order to stop him from being president is absolutely on the table. If they had the ability to, there's no reason that they they absolutely would have. And I think you could say that about Trump, and you can say that now. If Democrats had the ability to commit any amount of voter fraud to ensure their success in the midterms based on how they have acted and the public statements they have made there is absolutely a there's absolutely no reason to believe that they wouldn't do it if they could yeah they've and that's why i assume, assume it's going to happen it like it's it's almost a certainty that it's going to happen because of how they act because of what they talk about because of the level of hysteria that they are inculcating against republicans yeah i i mean is is the plan actually going to be on Tuesday night, the Senate goes over to the Republicans, the House goes over to the Republicans. What do Democrats say Wednesday morning? Well, I guess democracy failed at the ballot box and we just have to deal with it because we wouldn't yeah. want to be unfair. Just, I guess we'll try harder next time. I, I can't see that being popular with their voters. I can't see that that delegitimizes them as a political party because essentially yeah. they've said, well... There is no democracy anymore, so why would they pl- if there's not going to be democracy anymore, why would they play mm-hmm. by the rules? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, but, good, I, mean but, I mean, I could honestly say the same goes for us. If we believe voting is compromised, then why would we play by the rules? Why would we hope that we win according to that set of rules either? Yeah. And it's like I said, the rhetoric alone. Either, either you're lying to everybody, right? But you see, but the, here's here's the thing: the people at the top, at the DNC, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the DC think tanks and and consulting firms, uh, they may all know that they're lying. But how many poll workers? They're not in on the lie. They might truly believe it. How many regular everyday Democrats, like the kind of activist class, truly believe? That if Democrats lose on Tuesday, it's the end of democracy and the republic itself. What would they not be willing to do? Right. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, and it's as simple as things like a poll worker sees kind of is like, man, I've been seeing a lot of ballots for this one candidate. Look, I need to put my thumb on the scale a little bit because I'm, I need to do my part to save democracy. Yeah, I, I have to save my country. Yeah, I was told if these people win, it's the end of all of our rights. The it, the, the fascists will destroy America. It'll be it'll be Hitler 2 electric boogaloo. <laughs> and the, and 
I think that that is they d- Republicans should look at that kind of rhetoric as vastly more dangerous than they do. And I think people on the right, let's say not Republicans, but just the entire right wing should look at the rhetoric of the left as a weapon that is being employed against them. And essentially it's an attack. It's a weapon being employed against them to radicalize regular people to take actions that hurt them. That to well, take actions that hurt right wing people. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of these it, it's a gradation. How much longer until it's that sort of thing. The next level of that is you need to physically intimidate your neighbors. You need to destroy their property. You need to burn down the, the offices of the Republican Party. It's all on that scale when you've established that the existence of opposition is an existential threat. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that is the situation we find ourselves in. And I, frankly, anymore... And beginning to feel the same way about Democrats. The sheer existence of a left-wing movement is an existential threat that will only culminate in destruction and and the end of all things good. Like their existence is, should not be something we have to suffer, and we do so at our peril. Because yeah, it, if looking at their track record, they w- will stop at nothing except the wholesale destruction of all the things we hold dear. So, which is a wonderful, completely unplanned segue into prediction number two. Hmm. And that is the Democrats don't commit fraud because it would be extremely stupid and almost too obvious. I just think it would be a very bad idea. Like, I'll explain this a little bit on why it would just be a stupid idea for the Democrats to even try to commit any fraud in this, this particular election. That'll be like prediction four, I think. Okay. I didn't write any of them down. Prediction number two. Nothing crazy or nefarious happens. Republicans take the Senate. Republicans take the House. Democrats riot. It will happen. There will be riots. Sick. Awesome. Yeah. There's going to be riots no matter what, I think. Probably. Um, And now, understand... That doesn't mean that they'll be on television. Yeah, maybe. Because this is where it gets weird. Well, it, it, Or they might be. They might be highlighted on television. It is entirely possible. And don't for a second think, oh my gosh, there's no way the Democrats would be this big, like have this much hypocrisy. Oh, they will. Um, they will 100% have riots. And the entire time, the media and the left will tell us that that is part of democracy. They will tell yeah, us that that is peaceful. They're mostly peaceful protests for democracy. Yeah. Oh, that they they could actually go into the congressional building. They could stand there and demand that the new Congress not be sworn in because mafascisms. And yeah. we would be told that those people are heroes and patriots. Right. They're going to do that. If, if, if Democrats don't meddle and Republicans have the sweep that is anticipated and expected, then 
January 6th is going to, we're, we're going to feel like we're going insane because the Democrats are going to say, this is totally different than January 6th because there was actually fraud. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that, there's another, uh, another component to this as well. I think Democrats will try to get away with whatever fraud they can, but I also would acknowledge there have been strides made since 2020 in multiple places, and the situation is is somewhat different. They don't have all the COVID measures to rely on. There have been a number of places that have, a number of at least Republican-held places that have have reacted to, that did react to 2020, changed some rules. A lot of the rules they used in 2020 under the emergency COVID nonsense, they aren't able to utilize now. So the tools in their toolbox, their capacity to pull off fraud in the upcoming midterms, I think is less than what it was in 2020. They're, they're at a disadvantage in that in that sense. So there is possible, I think they will try to do it, get away with whatever fraud they can, but I think there is a lot of, it is a lot harder now than it was. No, I, a hundred percent. And, and uh, I, I do think that they're going to try, uh, uh, but I don't know how much we want to sit on this, but prediction number two is there's going to be riots. They're going to pretend like it's not a coup. Um, you're going to feel like you're going insane because we're going to, it's going to become the dumb argument. This is the standard way that liberalism works in, in, in this day and age is we're going to sit there and go, I thought that this was a coup. I thought that this was anti-democracy. I thought that this was like the worst thing that you could ever do. And they're all going to go, oh, so suddenly you're, you're, you're okay calling it a coup? Do you acknowledge that January 6th was a coup? Because that is more important to every yeah. single Democrat than whether or not their side is committing political violence. It is more important right. that they win the argument with you than it is for them to actually have any sort of internal uh, auditing of their of their own side. Right, because all the politics for most Democrats is just a affectation they use to feel good and morally superior and to frame their world. It's not actually a set of deep set beliefs. No, exactly. And which leads to prediction number three. I'm not joking. This is going to happen, and it kind of already is. So this one was an easy one. Democrats are going to claim fraud. Okay. They're going to claim that there was fraud conducted, and it was the fault of the Republicans. They're okay. going to frame it as voter intimidation because of Republicans having poll workers and people watching ballot boxes to ensure things are fair. They're going to claim that that was, that that was somehow voter intimidation. They're going to claim that somehow uh, more than likely uh, black people were intimidated because white people were like keeping an eye on the polls. Okay. They're going to claim that, you know, Republican lawyers are intimidating and trying to disenfranchise voters because they're questioning like unsigned mail-in ballots that showed up three hours after the deadline. Sure. They're going to claim that they're disen... Well, here's how many hundreds of thousands of ballots were disenfranchised by the mean fascist Republicans. Right. And then, but the question is, who is that? If they do that, who is that for? Much like how if I complain about election interference, it doesn't really matter because you know, the Republican voting base doesn't have control of any levers of force to stop it. 
just oh, like no, the no, Democrat no. voting base doesn't have control of any levers of force to stop what they see as election interference either. The goal oh, no, of all of that that we're going to see on late night shows that we could see on places like CNN, it seems like the goal would be to essentially intimidate Republican lawmakers in various states to either investigate these claims so they don't so they can appear more less hip hypocritical essentially they're the audience and the and the hope would be that they would not be swayed by hit pieces on cnn and a bunch of activists say protesting in the street for a recount hopefully they don't get swayed by that that would be the goal but that but so i think it's always good to look at who is the intended recipient your average Democrat in the street being upset that they're being told there was voter intimidation doesn't matter. The Republican lawmakers that then would sign off on doing, say, nefarious recounts under political pressure from those activists in the street, that's really the goal. And yes. so, I mean, again, it's, it's hard because we, have, we as individuals have very little... Um, have very little ability to affect these outcomes at at this stage. Like at that point, it's all in the hands of elected officials. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. The there there are two audiences. So you're correct with the GOP lawmaker aspect of it. Uh, the set, the other aspect of it is the activists. Get them out in the streets. Get them to be violent. Get them to to riot. Get them to do the normal BLM stuff. Right? They're they're trained right. for it. There there is. There is there is literally a playbook now that has been developed by liberals in the United States of America. When they do not get their way, um, they go to their their fake racial communist groups and they get them to go out in the streets and set buildings on fire. And what that does is it intimidates Republican lawmakers because their fear of what's being said on television and what have you, what have you. And it is literally because the 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 way that they will phrase it is they will be standing outside of I don't know let, let's let's make it super like completely out there they're standing outside the congressional building that is on fire, and you will have Nancy Pelosi standing there and going look at what Republicans made us do. Oh yeah, well it's like this is what you get when you threaten people's rights. When you take people's rights away, this is what you get. You get, I mean, I've, I heard that riots are simply the language of the unheard. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, remember, we're, we're still coming off of the, uh, you know, somehow Paul Pelosi was threatened with a hammer, but the police were there for 45 minutes and come to find out there wasn't, supposedly there wasn't a third person. Paul Pelosi answered the door. And just let the cops kind of come in and just sort of meandered back into his house. Um, so all of these things happen. Remember, that got more news coverage than Steve Scalise getting shot. Yeah. Steve Weird. Scalise was shot and almost died by a man who was shooting at Republicans. Specifically, he asked yeah. which political party is this and a man said these are republicans and he went and got a rifle and started shooting them and yelling this is for health care by the way that was the last time republicans took over congress yeah that was during trump's presidency interestingly yes enough. it was 2017 
because yeah. not only did Trump win, Republicans also still kept Congress and the left was terrified because you had a Republican Congress and you had Donald Trump as the president of the United States and an assassin tried to kill Republican congressmen. And that got less news coverage than Paul Pelosi and some random homeless dude who has BLM flags in his yard and, you know, like makes hemp or some nonsense is supposedly mm. this is MAGA country. Having a having a consensual hammer fight. <laughs> a consensual hammering um, uh. you, uh, having a consensual hammer fight i don't know What's what that? was going on with paul pelosi and this homeless guy but <laughs> i'm it's almost guaranteed that it's something really gross and untoward <laughs> that i almost don't want to know any more details about but it most certainly wasn't oh he was being attacked by some guy that came in with a hammer it most certainly was he invited him there for something disgusting and then it got out of hand and the police showed up <laughs> i just <laughs> consensual hammer fight what's that game uh that you had played before where there's like uh there's a stump <laughs> that has like a nail in it oh hammer schlagen great game <laughs> Do you think Paul Pelosi and David DePape were playing hammer schlagen and things just went too far? It was it was getting too it was getting too loud and noisy. The the cops showed up. It's like, hey, what's going on here? Like nothing, nothing, just a consensual hammering. We're just playing hammer schlagen in our underwear. I don't understand. Yeah, ew. Like no matter what it was, it was something gross, and I don't want to know any more about it. But. You'd think they would be too old for that sort of thing, but I don't, I guess not. Oh my gosh. Anyway. <clears throat> Prediction. I'm just four. glad that he wasn't trying to sacrifice the homeless guy to his dark gods. <laughs> we think <laughs> with a blunt force, ob a blunt force. Ob you know, it's funny. It's so funny because one of the, I don't know why, um, this book always stuck with me when I was a kid was uh, the book apt pupil by uh, Stephen King. Okay. And um, the long story that I'm spoiler alert, I guess uh, y'all have enough time to figure this out. The whole point of the story is uh, you know, random good kid, the OG shucks, Mr. Riding his bike through, you know, small town America. I think it was like Ohio or some nonsense um, ends up like, befriending some old neighbor and the old neighbor ends up having been like a high ranking SS officer. Yeah. And the kid slowly descends basically into madness and starts murdering homeless people with the claw end of a hammer. Yeah. And so the minute I heard about this whole thing, I was like, Oh my God, Paul Pelosi is just like reenacting apt pupil. He's just killing homeless people with a hammer. <laughs> but Anyway, uh, prediction number four, which this is, we're going to have to dance around a little bit, right? So number three is that they're going to claim that there's fraud. They're already trying to grease the wheels on that by saying, like, there's already been posts and and thoughts and whatever uh, on, on the side of some Democrats saying that there's going to be fraud conducted, but it's going to be on the Republicans. Um, but what we're, what we're absolutely going to have to point out is I think that this is a crazy one. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really trying to think of how to frame this properly. Um, 
I think that there is a potential. We have to at least leave the door open for a potential that they are going to do something absolutely insane on Tuesday. And when I say absolutely insane on Tuesday, I anticipate a strong potential that, well, I say strong potential. They've at least thought about it. Whether or not they'll implement it, I don't know, which is they're going to claim that there's a cyber attack on election day. Mm. They're going to claim it was done by the Russians. And we have to at least leave the door open for the possibility that Joe Biden and the Democrats demand a new election because they claim that there was foreign interference and it'll be based on national security reporting. It'll be based on classified intelligence that you're not allowed Quote. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that you're classified not intelligence see. that no one's able to see these, these threat warnings that the FBI got that, Oh, you can't even look at. Uh, they, they, they make a case that we got to redo the election. Everybody. I mean, the, the question is, if they tried that, could they get away with it? I mean, well, again, yes, and let me I can't why. do anything about it short of my option. My options to actually affect this are complain or start like an insurgency against the government. And there's a that's it's kind of that's a there's a big uh, a big ground in there that I can't really affect. And it's and I don't there's kind of one or the other at my level, my personal level. It's like. I don't want to be like, you know, building IEDs in my garage. And so essentially like things have to get pushed pretty far for that to be the case. So I'm basically just going to complain is at the end of the day, like <coughs> all I can do is complain because the only other option for me is too far gone that I feel it's inappropriate to escalate to that point immediately. So the question would be, if they did try to do something like declare the election illegitimate because of some Russians, quote, Russian cyber attack, or declare the election, they need to postpone the election because of a potential terror threats to the election, or, oh, maybe it'll be, there's been credible reporting of white supremacist terror attacks on polling places, so we have to postpone the election. If they do something like that, is do is the is there a possibility that the that Republicans across this country, because they could do that at, lo, at just individual state levels, all the states where it is a contentious election where they don't really don't want to lose, those are the ones that are going to be targeted. Would Republicans be able to counter that? What would they do about it? That is my big concern because I have to until I'm so far gone to the point where I am literally becoming a insurgent against the government, I have to rely on the, the legitimate legal process. I would like to think that if they did something like that, it would be so extreme, it would force the hand of every Republican, because essentially they would know that the Republican base would, would absolutely support them in doing whatever they could to fortify the election. I almost think Joe Biden pulling some serious nonsense about the election would be the best thing that could happen because it would finally strip away the veneer of democracy that we're all sort of dancing around and give every Republican and GOP um, per, like congressman, senator, state governor, mayor, give them a blank check to do everything they could to stop the Democrats. There'd, there'd be no political loss for them. And essentially that would be a, that's what we could, would create. If Joe Biden does pull some some sort of election nonsense, like there's a cyber attack and we have to postpone the election, I think the Republican base would become outraged. 
And it would then give every Republican lawmaker across the country at every level top cover to take whatever actions they deemed necessary against the Democrats. Now, would they take advantage of that? I don't know, but I pretty I feel like at least some would. Now, <clears throat> what's insane yeah. is... Remember in 2020, they claimed it was the most secure election in history? <laughs> yeah. Well, suddenly, uh, there's now some question about the security of voting machines coming from the left Hilarious. and coming from the government. Remember, same shit. It's the same, same voting machines, same everything. And it was most secure election. And you questioning it is insane. You can't take a look at it. Uh, oh my God, it's a threat to democracy for you to, you to even conduct forensics on the computer machine, uh, on, on the computers and everything that are being yeah. used. Um, all of that, right? Um, right? Now, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, have all put out notices that there's, you know, concern oh. over potential cyber threats against the election infrastructure. But not just that. We're seeing oh. a repeat of what we saw in 2020 as well. Remember, back in 2020, heading into the election, we kept hearing that there was going to be political intimidation and violence at polling places. Remember, mm -hmm. the Proud Boys were going to show up to polling places and there could possibly be violence. That was oh, a no. claim that was made by the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. Yeah. In 2020. But, oh, because... Those groups, which are white nationalist terror groups, are the biggest, quote, domestic threat to the United States. They are making that claim. Now, there was a memorandum that was put out by the Department of Homeland Security. And in the memorandum, it says some violent extremists, particularly anti-government and anti-authority violent extremists and racially or ethnically motivated Violent extremists oh. motivated by differing perceptions of issues like government yeah. overreach, firearms regulation, and immigration policy will potentially view social and political tensions during the upcoming midterm election as an oppor opportunity to use or promote violence in furtherance of their ideological goals. Why would, how would violence further any of those goals? I have no idea. Oh, I, uh, actually, wait, you know what I think that's actually saying? Uh-huh. I think that's giving cover for if the left riots, they can claim it's actually white nationalist false flags. Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly there's B that. Yes. Oh, that it's 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 white nationalists. Uh it's finally like basically it's like that Reichstag fire you've read about in history books where the uh it's like where the Nazis basically supposedly started the fire in the Reichstag building, blamed it on the communists and used it to take power. I want right. feel it sounds a lot like they're setting the stage for that sort of thing where they can say, yeah. if there are a bunch of, if a bunch of left wingers riot, they're going to sit there and go, actually, it's probably just a bunch of proud boys and white nationalists, uh, out riding the streets. Pretending to be Antifa. Yeah. Pretending, yeah. Pretending to be Antifa to make people not want to save democracy because they're quote, remember the quote, they're using violence to further their own political ends. Well, what po the, there's no political end of the supposed white nationalists that actually is furthered by violence. If anything, it only brings the massive apparatus of state 
security down on their heads. So the only way that makes sense is if they're going to claim, well, when Black Lives Matter riots in the streets and starts murdering police officers, that's actually a bunch of right-wingers. So we definitely need a new Patriot Act to domestically surveil anyone that's voted Republican. Yeah, they uh, the in this memorandum, it also says, we assess some domestic violent extremists, or I'm sorry, the domestic violent extremists could target components of the election infrastructure in hopes of swaying voting habits, undermining perceptions of legitimacy of the voting process, or prompting a particular government reaction. Interesting. Uh, so, it, because, so I sorry. read that as if there's if there is allegations of of nonsense with voting machines, uh, it probably is these white nationalists attacking yeah. our voting infrastructure, being helped by the Russians. Yeah, it certainly isn't a bunch of weird last minute software updates that cause voting irregularities that everybody was. I remember that from 2020. It's like, wait, why are all the Dominion voting machines giving updates off of a thumb drive at the last minute? Yeah. No, it's, it, it, that's exactly it. it is, they're, they're creating top cover. So anything, the, the reporting is already laid there. It's already out. Basically, nobody read it. Something weird happens that delays voting and Democrats shove in a bunch of extra you know, votes or whatever. And they get to turn back and go, well, we were already reporting the potential of violent extremists doing things like this. So maybe that's why the pipe burst and we had to shut down voting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember that was a big thing. It was like, oh, this pipe burst. And so we have to shut down the vote counting. And then suddenly the vote counting turns turns out to be pro-Biden. Yeah. But I, I would say the the most egregious thing that could happen that there is a possibility of is the... U.S. government claims that there's a cyber attack on the elections, which, by the way, shouldn't happen. That should, there should be zero. I'm, I'm going to put this out right now. There should be zero potential of that because we were told that it was the most secure. None of this is connected to the Internet. Like it oh, should yeah. be yeah. impossible. For foreign yeah. actors to be able to affect voting at all. Because yeah. that was the, the entire whole thing from 2020 is there. There were people claiming that there was a potential that all of the votes were being processed through a centralized point and that centralized processing point was compromised by foreign threat actors. But the left said, that's impossible. It doesn't happen. There's none of these updates. That, like They don't connect to the internet. And then when you had some computer forensics conducted, like Mike Lindell, who's like, I haven't followed his stuff closely because it does get a little bit much and it's it does seem a little kind of out there. But they're like, we have evidence that these things were connected to routers. And everyone's like, oh, don't pay attention to the stupid pillow guy. He's just a fascist. Um, it, yeah. It's impossible. So none of this is supposed to be possible. But there is, I, it, it is difficult for it, it, me well, to not think that Joe Biden wouldn't come out and say, I have just been informed by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the uh, um, Cyber Infrastructure and Security Agency, and the National Security Agency that there is a cyber attack against election infrastructure in the United States being conducted by Russia and Vladimir Putin himself. And therefore, for national security reasons, uh, we can't have an election today. Yeah, it, it'll only become possible 
when it helps Democrats. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll, and it'll be, it'll be a situation where then all of a sudden the left will be screaming like, of course the Russians are coming to help the Republicans. See, we have to figure out which candidates they were trying to help. And then those candidates shouldn't even be allowed to run for office. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I bet it'll be, well, actually, because I remember in 2016, there was all the claims that Russia hacked our election. Oh no. And then it was, well, what, what, what do you mean Russia hacked the election? Well, they spent something like $10,000 on Facebook ads. (laughs) Oh, well, that's not that big a deal. (laughs) Well, and, and, that's that's the other part that you have to remember is they're also going to lean on the well and you see Elon Musk took over Twitter right before the midterms and that allowed Russian disinformation to go out you know basically pointing out things that you know stuff like libs of TikTok where it's liberals actually saying things that they truly believe and talking about how they want to like steal kids away from their parents and transition them because they're evil and wrong but you know that's all Russian disinformation I mean there was, I, I'm not even joking. There was, I can't remember the name of the candidate, so I apologize, but I believe he was running in New Jersey. And there's a, um, a journalist on Twitter named Michael Tracy, who has been very, very, very against everything going on uh, in Ukraine and the U.S. support for Ukraine. And he went and talked to a candidate who's, I believe, running for the Senate seat there and said, like, you put forward legislation that makes a diplomatic solution with Russia impossible. Right. Like the, the legislation you put forward makes it to where there cannot be any sort of diplomacy between the United States and Russia. You're calling them a state sponsor of terror, which means that we cannot have any sort of actual um, detente with them. The only solution has to be open warfare. Uh, how does that help the people of Ukraine? Like this, that, mm-hmm. that was, that was the, the question. Um, the response from that Senator was, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy your paycheck from Russia or something, something along, like, how do you like re- uh, reporting for Russia today or something of that, which this person does not. Right. But the, he just accused him of being a, like ba- basically working for Russia. Mm-hmm. And just under, understand, like, yeah, sure, it's just a, it's just a random, random uh, member of Congress saying that, but that was an inherent reaction. He doesn't actually know who's talking to him. He doesn't know who Michael Tracy is. It's sure. just you're you're asking me about foreign policy, and you're against what I'm doing and giving just billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. Uh, you're a Russian asset. Yeah, you. It must be the Russians. Well, and again, it's they only say that. Because it's a good, it's an easy way to deflect criticism. It's just like saying you're a racist. It means you stop arguing about what the you're arguing about and start arguing about whether or not that claim is true. So this is um wonderfully HD uh, uh, cynical just shared this article from USA Today because this is the groundwork that's being being um, put out. Here's why security officials are concerned about claims of a hacked or stolen election. 
Fake narratives about a stolen or rigged election are an accurate concern, according to authorities, who fear they could undermine the process and lead to more January 6th style political violence. Uh Despite an unprecedented U.S. focus on preventing hackers from targeting the midterm elections Tuesday, there are still concerns that malicious cyber operatives could disrupt or influence the vote by penetrating polling stations, voter registration rolls, ballot counting efforts, and even the news reports that tell Americans who's winning state, local, and federal elections. But here's what really concerns public and private sector security analysts. Malicious cyber actors who claim the election was hacked or stolen, even when nothing of the sort occurred. Such false claims building on years of bogus election fraud narratives that began well before the 2020 presidential election, they say could plunge the country into an unprecedented environment of political chaos and violence, even worse than that which spawned the January 6, 2021 attack at the U.S. Capitol. They're covering both grounds. Wow. They're saying, well, they could hack the election. It's entirely possible that Russia, of course, would hack the election, but it's also possible that they wouldn't and that people would just claim they did. Yeah. See, the factor that changes which narrative is good is who wins. If Democrats lose, it's because Russia hacked the election. If Democrats win fraudulent and anyone claims that it was fraudulent, even though it was sketchy as hell, I'm certain. And in the middle of the night, if not days later with a bunch of mail-in ballots that just suddenly showed up and all of this other nonsense, it'll be, well, those are baseless claims. And in fact, that's a threat to democracy. That's why they wrote the article. Yeah. They get to play both sides. The only thing that changes whether or not the election was hacked or the most secure election in history is how Democrats do. Yeah. And that's very different than what Republicans did in 2020. What happened with Republicans in 2020 is, number one, you literally had a candidate with dementia who spent his entire time in his basement and couldn't string together a sentence. And then all of the sudden, in the middle of the night, he starts winning races that he'd been losing all night. Then you shut down polling. Then it took days and days and days and days and days, inexplicably, and Joe Biden wins. Yeah. That's what it took for Republicans to go, I'm not sure about this election. Democrats, the minute they lose, fraud, hacking, election interference. Right. We can't recognize it. It's our duty to, to democracy to protest this election, to demand a recount, to demand that none of this be acknowledged. It will happen. That will happen if if Joe Biden doesn't like crazy himself enough, because I, I we're, we're at a point now where I don't think Democrats care about how things look, which is why I've left open the possibility that flat out Joe Biden just goes out and says there was a cyber attack against election infrastructure and we just can't have an election today. Yeah. It's a good question. I don't, it's hard to know how the, how these things will turn out. There's a lot of different options. I think it seems almost too much that there would be serious, that they would say, well, we're not, not going to do the election. It seems. Yeah. It seems like Republicans take it. Sorry, Alan, real quick. Yeah. Um, 
pan on this a second. Um, I'm going to go on mute real quick because I need to refill my coffee and uh, have to pee. Okay, great. So have at that. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. So I think that it's as much as we talked about election interference, about what they could do, about what they might be planning, that they definitely would want to interfere in elections. There is part of me that looks at and thinks that it's still just going to be too far out of reach and taking any sort of serious and crazy action to truly stop it is going to just be a bridge too far for them. I think for, for a number of reasons. I think Democrats are more demoralized than they've ever been. They're less well led. They don't they as a party don't really like Joe Biden. There is a high potential that regardless of everything we've said, Republicans actually win big. That would be really great. And the question is, it, when Republicans win really big, what are they going to do? Are they going to take the advantage, take it? Let's say they, let's say they get a modest victory, modest victories and that put them a bit ahead of the Democrats in a number of, in the House and Senate. That would be absolutely fantastic. And the question is, what are they going to do the, the next day? I would hope that they would then proceed to basically make good on their promises. And I think there are a lot of very promising candidates that look like they could actually get elected whose entire platform is, I'm going to actually be functional effective at pushing back against the Democrat Party. Uh, people like, I believe, Blake Masters. And then there's... Um, uh, another, the congresswoman out here, I think it's Smiley. Both of them are running on platforms of, we are going to make changes in this country. And it will be very interesting to see how, if those candidates win, if the Republicans win big, and essentially the non-establishment Republicans actually start getting a larger share of the Republican Party, what direction that then pushes the Republican Party to take? And I don't know. I would. I feel like there is a lot of potential that the Republican Party emerges from the midterms stronger than going in. If there is huge election interference, I think that only helps. The, that will help the Republican Party. I will because it will make the voter base furious and give them absolute carp and give the non-establishment members a carte blanche to take what do whatever reforms they want and change the platform whatever they want essentially the pro-trump side of the party the non-establishment side will have every ability to then push for their guys to push for their policies if there's huge interference and people are outraged if they win big they'll still come out ahead the establishment part part of the party i think is going to regardless of what happens i think the establishment republicans lose and that's that's a victory. Well, and and we we do need to we do need to do a recap, um, real quick, uh, be, because we are heading into this election, um, Tuesday. Is there are several candidates who are slated to do exceedingly well. That initially, you have to remember people like Mitch McConnell, saying that you know it's about choosing winnable candidates. He right. was referring to. People like Blake Masters, J.D. Vance in Ohio. That's Those are the people he was referring to. People that are likely going to win. Remember, the establishment thought that none of these people had a chance in hell. They were unwinnable candidates. Specifically, he was referring to people like J.D. Vance. Yeah. 
And J.D. Vance is doing exceedingly well in Ohio. But they said he didn't have a chance in hell. And the same thing with Blake Masters. And several other candidates. Remember, these were all, according to the establishment Republicans, these were all unwinnable candidates. And then, and now, that was that was just, just a few months ago. And now, uh, we... We are going down the road of uh, uh, we're, we're going down the road of a possible Republican sweep that the establishment Republicans were claiming wasn't possible. Yeah, just a few months ago they were saying unwinnable. It's about choosing winnable candidates because they were saying that they didn't choose winnable candidates. J.D. Vance was not a winnable candidate if you were Mitch McConnell, right? Like, make that make sense. By the way, the Senate from 538, which I've already gone through, y'all remember me talking about the the numbers that we were looking at? 53 to 47. A 53% chance Republicans win the Senate. Mm Mm-hmm. J.D. Vance has an 83% chance of winning his Senate seat. Unwinnable candidate, according to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> right. That's a, it's, I think the establishment Republicans, and this is might be why we've seen so much, this might be why I'm at least so nervous, is I look at how the establishment Republicans, the neocons, key are, seem like they're losing it on the back foot, and it makes me worried that they're going to support things that are that they're not going to fight back against any sort of losses because those losses would actually help them. It would prevent the problem. Is would the establishment Republicans side with the Democrats if it meant the establishment if it meant the establishment Republicans stayed in more of a position of power within their own party? And I think they would. I think that establishment Republicans would value their position within the Republican Party more than they would value the Republican Party's position within the United States. I should, well, oh, sorry. One of the others I, I have to point out um, was Herschel Walker. Mm, okay. Herschel Walker, 58% chance of winning in Georgia, which I, let me remind you. A 58% chance of winning, and they have it uh, listed as a toss-up. <laughs> 58 to 42. Uh, toss-up. Can't make that decision. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, wow. Um, there was another, that's what it was, Pennsylvania. So 55-45, they're claiming John Fetterman wins. How depressing would that be? That'd be pretty depressing. Like, I'm not, I don't really care about Mehmet Oz that much, but sure. come on, guys. Like, how many times are you going to elect somebody who's mentally compromised? Because like, how, okay, I'm, this is something I, I need to get this off my chest. Okay. How dare the Democrat Party refer to Trump supporters as a cult and saying that we're just so obsessed with our ideology that we can't see reason when, the president of the United States obviously has dementia. And then a guy who had a stroke and literally cannot speak clearly or think clearly 
you're going to vote for that guy because you're so yeah. afraid of the big, scary Republican. Yeah. Who's met, met Oz. The dude's like, so he's a complete centrist. Yes. Like he is not an extreme Republican at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But they're so afraid of the R next to his name that they're like, well, give it to Lurch over here. Who's probably just going to drool on papers, but he'll just vote whatever way we tell him to. How, how is that not pathetic? Like you, how dare you is. say that we're ideologically like, oh, like well, Republicans will just vote for anything with an R because they're so dumb. You guys are literally voting for mentally compromised human beings because of the letter next to their name. You don't get to judge me about anything. I mean, these same people also believe that men can that men are actually women and that we should chop off the genitals of children. So I don't know why I'm I'm not going to concern myself overly with uh, how they feel about things because they're 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 so far beyond in every way that it's like, well, the last thing I'm going to look, the last thing I'm going to chastise them on is cognitive dissonance. <laughs> They're the masters of that one. <laughs> so, um, with all of that being said, with the with a lot of those, what were were there any predictions that I've that I've missed uh, that we talked about like last night? Mm, I can't really think of anything. Um, well. Let's move into post Tuesday. Well, like, like yeah. So I've, I've gone through the election itself. Let's move into post Tuesday, um, or or more me framing like why it would be a bad idea for the Democrats to meddle in this election. Because here's how here's how liberalism works, and here's how the Democrat Party and their lapdogs in the media work. Republicans win both the Senate and the House. The minute that that happens, suddenly. Every news station will start reporting that we're in a recession. They're going to suddenly remember that a recession is defined as two consecutive quarters of economic decline, which we've already experienced. The next quarter ends at the end of the year, and it will likely show economic decline. And the Democrats will claim it's all the Republicans' fault, even though they don't get sworn in until January. Right. Gas prices are going to skyrocket because Joe Biden was manipulating the price of gas as a last-ditch effort for um, the midterms. They'll blame that on Republicans as well. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's that's a whole entire component of their strategy is drain the strategic oil reserves, set America up for an essentially... It's wild because I look at this and go, the Repo the Democrats are planning on losing because they're setting the setting us up for an economic recession based on their energy prices, based on how they've been doing with dealing with gasoline. They're buoying everything up artificially now so that it's going to become a crisis later. And I feel like this is part of some very cynical long-term strategy of if Republicans win big, then we can stand to claim, well, I remember when gas prices were lower under Biden. Or if, Repub if Republicans win big, they can take, instead of it's like, Republicans want to stop CRT in schools and protect kids from gender transitioning or deal with the border. And when America has real problems, like all of this inflation, and how dare they try to solve these fake cultural problems like CRT in school when they should be helping the poor deal with inflation. 
I think yeah. it's it basically it's setting us up for a series of crises that they then will be able to suck all the air out of the room with and say, well, we can't deal with, we can't do anything with the, it's, it is irresponsible for Republicans to pursue their agenda because we have all of these problems as a country that we happen to just conveniently have created. Yeah. Because remember, like when gas prices went insane, it was the president doesn't affect gas prices. When they lowered a little bit, still at least a dollar more in most areas than when Donald Trump was in office. But now it's everybody thank Joe Biden because he's the reason gas prices got affected. Sure. The same thing goes for Congress. Right. Congress has no control over the economy. It was all Russia's fault. It's all Russia's fault. That's why that's why the economy that has very few ties with Russia, uh, it's all bad because of Putin. Except for when Republicans control Congress. Then it'll be, well, it's really Congress's responsibility for handling all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, cool. So what did you guys do for the first two years you were in office? Well, none of that matters now. Republicans are in charge. Let's, you know, let's not worry about what we who did what when. Let's, this is only a, we care about the country instead of trying to focus on how bad you know Democrats were and we're just trying to save the country we're not because remember what was it there was some event where it was Republicans just can't shut up about blank and I forget exactly what it was now but I saw a bunch of remember seeing a bunch of essentially media reports on it. it's like Republicans refuse to shut up about um inflation or it's like something like that where it was wait a minute like you how you can't just do that you can't just say that i'm that i can't talk about the thing that you did to me (laughs) do you remember what that was aaron because there was a bunch of articles about it and it was it's like maybe it was the maybe it was afghanistan it's like republicans really need to let the whole afghanistan thing go and stop giving joe biden a hard time about it yeah, I don't, I don't fully, I, I don't, it's happened more than once. So it's hard for me to pinpoint. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do remember that there was a lot of stuff where it was like, you know, Republicans keep, keep declaring that the economy is like terrible, even though it's not, and they refuse to shut up about it. And then more and more, like it kept being terrible. But I know that that's not the one you're referring to. It's not. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I remembered what that was. Because I remember we talked about it. And I remember thinking that it was just so egregious that they would, that someone would feel that, that someone could show their face after making claims like that. But I forget what it was now. Well, maybe it will come to you. But you maybe. did kind of, you did kind of, uh, uh, create at least somewhat of a, of a good, um, segue um that i just lost so great oh, great good. job everybody um <laughs> there was a there was the second part of the show that you and i discussed we were going to go into oh that's what it was okay so um i don't know about the thing you're talking about but it does remind me of the fact that liberals have all declared amnesty for themselves over oh, yeah. what they did to us during COVID. Yeah. So They've all big... granted themselves amnesty. Yeah. 
Uh, there, so there's a big article in The Atlantic about, you know, we should declare an amnesty about COVID, which you would initially think would be, oh, they're going to admit fault and ask for forgiveness. Uh, but the reality is when you read the article was, we don't, we should, like, it was basically making the case that we deserve an amnesty because, you know, we didn't know at the time and uh, we were just being, we were just such good people. We just wanted to save grandma's life. So, you know, that's, that's why we... That's why we were good people about it. So, you know, none of us should should have to feel bad about it because we were all good people. What's amazing is what predicated the need for writing that article. That is what is interesting is and this is this is kind of what our conclusion on that was. Even though the article was self-righteous and and ridiculous, it's like these people don't deserve a single, barely don't deserve any kind of, um, the let alone uh, barely forgiveness for everything that they did and the comments that the commentary they made around the COVID pandemic. The fact that they feel the need to even make articles like this, to even entertain these ideas, is an admission that they are are wrong, were wrong and deeply unpopular. That they were wrong about COVID in various ways, and that they. Um, that their actions were deeply unpopular and are causing a bunch of negative feeling towards towards them and their supporters. And so even that's an interesting development because usually we don't even get that sort of thing. Yeah, like they know that they screwed up kids. They know yeah. that, I mean, people's livelihoods were completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. And now more and more and more everything that was it, it gets exhausting to say this everything that was called a conspiracy theory turned out to be true yeah isn't that wild isn't that fun masks didn't work you were screwing up kids yeah the what? vaccine doesn't do shit doesn't do shit in fact probably has is causing more harm than good yeah the CDC director just got COVID after her, like, what, fifth booster? Yeah. <laughs> and they still have commercials. I hear them on the radio here. Yeah. Like, Don't forget, not only does it protect against regular COVID, but also Omicron. Right. Dude, it's over. Stop. Give up. I'm, I'm actually shocked. I think they tried it. I, there were a number of times, if you follow us on Twitter, that you would have seen us pointing out them trying to create a midterm variant. Yeah. I think I remember that. But for whatever reason it didn't hit. There was there were multiple times that they tried to begin covid panic again and then it didn't take hold and then I kind of thought the monkeypox thing was going to be the new one. But I feel like the statistics of that didn't bear out well at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah. Paul Pelosi had a risk of Monkey box <laughs> yeah. for his right. consensual hammer fights. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're declaring an amnesty for themselves after they've ruined people's lives. But understand the whole background of this self-declared amnesty is we were trying
sorry about that weird, weird, real quick pause. And uh, I'm going to tell you guys exactly what happened. Uh, Please do. My cat reset my computer. Well, don't have it do that. Yeah. Like everything just went black. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I look over and I see like the emblem pop up on, on my secondary monitor. And I was like, why, why, why did my computer reset? And I look down and there's a cat sitting on my computer tower. Oh, fun. And she's a very bad cat who does bad things and is obviously a communist. Well, of course. I think she knew what she did. Mm, I honestly, I honestly think that she knew what she did, and I think it was intentional and with malice, or meowis. Ah, I see what you uh, did there. Anyway, so sorry about that, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Um, it, it's it's more fun for me to bring things like this up because I am constantly harassed by this cat when I'm working, and she gets very upset. And so if I'm typing something and I'm not paying attention to her, she will walk across my keyboard. It, I am a victim of daily terrorism. <laughs> because, yeah. so I, I have the studio door open, which is my office door, uh, because I don't have to worry about any background noise because nobody else is here right now. Um, if it's closed, she will sit outside the door and meow loudly and bang on the door with her paws and just like claw at it because it's a it's a windowed door and she just sits there and i just see this sad cat face and her little toe beans up against the glass and she just stares at me meowing like i've left her forever and she's gonna certainly die it's pathetic yeah Um, it's emotional terrorism anyway The dog, on the other hand, just pouts because I'm not petting him right now. And I can just snap my fingers and he'll come over and get pets and whatever. But the cat, on the other hand, you're a bad kitty. Stop it. Anyway, <coughs> that was fun. I like, uh, there y'all go. Um, so the cat's a communist. She doesn't like it. She's she's working for the Democrats. I don't know. Um, what else really happened this week? I know we we actually got through the predictions a lot faster than I thought, but I think it was pretty easy, right? Like, I guess that's the big thing. Is anyone actually surprised by any of the stuff that we predicted uh, occurring for the the midterm elections? I mean, like I said, you know, if if they let if they let the Republicans win, which is something that like I can't believe is come, coming out of my mouth. Um. But if the Republicans win, 100%, everything's going to suddenly become Congress's problem. And you guys are all going to feel like you're losing your damn minds because you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. How come Democrats weren't responsible for a single thing that happened in two years? Yeah. So now HD Cynical does say, like his response to other things to talk about was, uh, as he says, the salt mine from Elon taking Twitter is glorious and hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we actually we brought it up, right? Um, we, we brought it up when we were talking about it last night. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know why. I'm not saying nothing against you, HD Cynical. This is a big thing. A lot of people are talking about it. I'm just having trouble caring because it's mm-hmm. it's almost it's too fake. 
Like, why do I care who owns Twitter? I hate the concept of Twitter in a lot of reasons. Like, yes, I understand that part of it was, um, you know, the censorship and everything and, and all the dumb liberal nonsense. And then everybody thought, well, you know, Elon Musk is taking it over. It's inherently going to get better. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe. the fact that a bunch of left wing activists that use it as overtly use it as a way to manipulate public perception. Them having yes. control of it does seem pretty bad. Anybody else having control of it seems like it'd be a better way to go. Yeah. And like, I don't care. Like, here's here's the deal. I don't care if Elon Musk is like one of our guys. I mean, I would hope whoever owns Twitter, which is a huge platform for thought sharing, is one of our guys. That'd be great. Right. What I mean is my my priorities on that, because that's a big concern, right? Is there, there's, there's always that fight where people are like, stop thinking Elon's one of your people. He's not. Oh, my God. He's actually a leftist. Blah. Like, sure. I don't care. I don't care about that debate as much okay. as I care about being able to point to how threatened the left is, even though Elon Musk isn't really a right winger. Okay. And that, that's, so this is, this is what makes it me glad that there is that he, that Twitter got wrenched out of their hands. The fact that they are ups, that a, a bunch of left-wing activists are upset that Elon Musk takes Twitter, even though Elon Musk is not explicitly a right winger, tells me that they are losing something valuable. It's not who owns Twitter. It's the fact that they feel they don't have control over the narrative anymore. And that's what makes me very excited that someone someone they don't like is taking over Twitter. And that is a it's clearly a win. It's like I don't know what the win exactly is, but people that I hate are acting very upset like they are have lost something critical and that means i am very excited that so, that whatever it is has happened it's so strange it's just honestly it's just so it makes no sense why are you so why? upset over this like why well, does this matter so well, much so yeah. mm -hmm. i think it absolutely matters because they know that it is a it is a de facto uh, town square sharing of ideas between people like the World Economic Forum, Donald Trump, all these politicians, all these celebrities, and normal people. It is the interface through which that happens most effectively. And them not having control of that narrative generation machine means that people can spread ideas that are anathema to the liberal world order. What, so they use Twitter as a as a way to reinforce their own narrative, to reinforce these narratives, and if essentially what they're terrified of is Twitter would allow too many people to communicate too freely, and that could spell the death knell to the the liberal world order, and that's why they can't have it. It's not that they are currently using it necessarily for something. It's that they see the potential of it, and they know they can't cede that ground to their enemies. You have to understand what you just said. Okay. The thing that is the biggest threat to the liberal world order is people being able to speak freely. Absolutely. And there, we're not theorizing that. We're not saying that hyperbolically. 
they, the left, are saying that themselves. Yes. Because the yeah. only thing that Elon Musk has said, whether true or not, is that he just wants Twitter to have less restriction on speech, and they are saying that that will destroy it will destroy democracy. Think about that for a second. This is the Rubicon that we have crossed over the years since we have started this show. That the Democrat Party, the liberal elite, the global leftists are all in agreement on one single thing, and that is. If you people, everyday Americans, everyday citizens, regular people, if you are allowed to talk to one another, unobstructed by governments, you will not come back with support of liberalism. Yeah, yeah. They are acknowledging it out loud and trying to convince people that that's a problem. And if you think about it, they laid this out. They told us that this was their opinion in a very popular movie. Oh, did they? What movie was that, Alan? I believe it was the movie Idiocracy. The movie Idiocracy is constantly referred to in political circles. It's one of the things that liberals think is a great movie. My 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 buddy growing up, who's a who was a huge liberal, loved Idiocracy, and to him, he was like, "See, it's Idiocracy. This is exactly what that movie was predicting with Bush." Yeah, yep. It's it's like a liberal fanfare. Fanfiction. Idiocracy was like, "See, this is exactly it. This is like the problem." What yeah. was Idiocracy about? Idiocracy, the movie, was about if normal people are able to control the mechanisms of government and power, they will inevitably turn civilization onto its head and cause societal collapse. Yeah. Like this is why liberals love it. Liberals love it idiocracy because the movie is basically, there should be an aristocratic class that controls civilization because you cannot leave it to the normal people. Yeah, if we let these dummy dumbs who sit there and watch Ouch My Balls all day, if they have a voice, they're going to start putting Gatorade in plants because they're all stupid. Yep. Do you understand that Idiocracy is a movie against democracy itself? Yeah, absolutely is. The problem is, it's also not entirely wrong. If I, like, look at Democrat voters. They are happy to vote for someone like Joe Biden who can't think straight. They're happy to vote for people like John Fetterman, yeah. uh, who have are like some stroke, both of which are basically stroke-addled, like, dementia patients. They're happy to vote for those people, and they will clap their hands together like trained SEALs, thinking they've done a good job because the man on the TV box told them to. It's, an, it's, it's part of this amazing, amazing inversion of reality that the Democrat voters are the least are the least informed, are the least interested, and are the absolutely least involved voters in the country. But yet the global liberal world order, which knows that is the case, intentionally cultivates that 
and while at the same time telling them you are not you, because you're voting Democrat, because you're signing up with all of these liberal things. That means you're one of the smarty smarts and not one of the dummy dumbs. And everyone goes, I want to be in the aristocrat class. I don't want to be in the pleb, the pleb peasant class, which is a totally normal thing for everyone to think. And essentially it preys upon that facet of human nature to get them to get a bunch of people that have no business actually voting to, to put people in power that are not helpful to the to the needs of greater society to basically establish a global bug hive and it it's incredible because the thing i hate the most and unfortunately i had to watch republicans get all excited about it like actually mail-in voting's been pretty good for the gop yeah mail-in voting shouldn't be a thing no it shouldn't be if you're too lazy to get out and vote you sh yours should not be equal to mine I am not changing that position. I don't care if Republicans win the Cong win Congress on Tuesday. I still hold that position because it's a principle. I agree. I think that voting should be much more restricted. I think that we should restrict the franchise of voting because then it will actually mean something. Yeah. I mean, like, even if it's just, okay, you have to show up and vote in person. And hey, I'm willing to make voting day a holiday so that you people can. I So I don't hang know. on. This is really, I actually really do want to have this discussion because it's a really good point. Okay. I used to think that too. Okay. And then so somebody actually changed my mind. And let me explain. Okay. Who gets holidays off? Oh, uh, public sector employees. Yeah, that's it. It yeah, would have zero true. effect on regular people. You're not wrong. Like I, I get what you're saying. I but, guess mostly I was saying that in reference to what I hear from liberals. I was like, well, what if people are working and they can't vote? I guess so really what would be is voting places are like open at 6 a.m. and close at, hell, let's say midnight. And if you can't get there in that window, then I guess you don't vote today. I, I have been a minimum wage employee who has had to, who is working obscene hours long days to get as much money as i possibly could and i have never had an employer restrict me from being able to go vote yeah i've never had it happen they already have voting polling places open at 6 a.m and they close at 9 p.m this already occurs this already exists mm-hmm the idea, the entire reason why the left is so obsessed with mail-in ballots is because they want to harass the dumb, uninformed populace into voting for Democrats because they just watch TV. They want the laziest of our population to have as much of a vote as the civically engaged population. And that is not how a serious country should operate. Certainly. It is. If it is so sacrosanct and so damn important, then it should require some work on your part. If you're not willing to put the work forward, you should not have an equal voice that I do. It's just inherently unfair. I hate to use the word unfair because it makes you sound like a child, but it is inherently unfair that I put the damn work in and some lazy jackass watching Netflix all day 
getting a dozen mailers in the mail and finally somebody knocking on their door and going, why don't we just fill out your ballot right now and I'll give you a candy bar. I love candy. And their vote gets to cancel mine out. That's bullshit. Uh, No, I completely agree. That's not a serious country at all. Yeah, no, it, it's, it is democracy in the most negative sense, where it essentially it is just ruled by the mob. And whoever, whoever is able to reign in the mob and shift its attention whichever way, those people are the, are the real winners in democracy. And that's not what we want. That is a bad scenario to have as your nation. It's like, it should be people that are, honestly, it should be, uh, smart people with a vested stake making decisions for the country. This is why it's a republic in the first place, was that you don't have a direct direct democracy, which would essentially just be ruled by the mob. Yeah, And that is a bad scenario that ends with a bad country. We don't want that, but that's exactly what Democrats want because it assures their power. And we're seeing the fruits of it. The, one of the, I think one of the main reasons why the United States is on the trajectory that it's on of basically social degradation and collapse is the fact that we are have transitioned more towards rule by the mob rather than rule by people with a vested interest. Yeah, rule by civic engagement. Yeah, rule by civic engagement. Yeah, it's just the people that care get a voice. You, nobody's stopping you from caring. Right. There's zero people stopping you from caring, but you have to put a little bit of effort in and then Democrats go, well, I don't want to have to go all the way out yeah. there. No, and it's it's the intentional effort to dilute the vote of people that are engaged and knowledgeable through people that aren't. Like, I mean, if you had to if you had to take a test before you, the problem is we can't do anything about this because we're essentially in a cold civil war. If I wanted to, it's the same reason why we can't solve hardly any problems because it would create a scenario where I can be disenfranchised by the bad guys who have control of the mob and the vote, uh, which just makes it more complicated. Like I can't say, well, you have to have a test or voting or we eliminate these things. Because we have a (laughs) subversive element, a organized, powerful, subversive element in the country, it means we have to deal with that before we can actually get back on track to any sort of realistic democracy or republic. It's just funny because you said that and like my immediate go-to was like circle the woman in this picture and you have to circle the picture of everybody because oh, anyone can be a woman but that if would you be don't, good if you sorry don't, you get fail. you got it wrong you uh you can't vote today <laughs> no I, I pictured it from the left's perspective of like circle the woman in this picture and it's like a fat dude with a beard and then it's like a you know regular looking just lady and you have to circle both of them or else you can't vote because yeah anyone can be a woman yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't believe anyone that can be a woman. Your IQ isn't high enough to vote. Thank you. Yeah. You're one of the dummy dumbs that I was warned about in idiocracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just remember the left wanted to disenfranchise the vote. They, they still do um, because they don't want a bunch of dumb hillbillies voting. Right. Like if they could, they would. They, they, they want it where... Well, in reality, they want a direct democracy, so Los Angeles and New York get to decide the entirety of the nation. Yeah, that's absolutely what they want. They want it's they want major urban areas to decide the election because they can shift those votes. They can manipulate those people more effectively. 
Yeah, they can create a dependency class. People who live in rural America are able to be independent. Right. Um, they're able to be self-sufficient. A lot of times they can grow their own food and they're not as, you know, dependent on internal infrastructure. You well, can't... when we talk about the original intent to vote, the original in America version one, it was you had to be a landowning land male to vote. Right. Which meant you had a lot more of a stake than just some dude in an apartment who doesn't own anything, who doesn't create anything. I mean, necessarily. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like the, the fact that, you know. It's a vested, a vested interest, a vested long-term interest in the health of the country. I, honestly, if you restricted the voting to, you have to, voting to people with kids, like you have to have children to vote. I wonder how that would turn out because the only people that have a vested genetic interest in the future of the country are the only ones that get to make decisions. I don't know if that would turn out badly, but I would be curious. It's an interesting thought. It would be it, it would be fun if we could somehow go into, you know, like a simulation and just see what it would like. What would the country look like if we did X, you know, and, yeah. and kind of uh, it, it would be it would be an amazing it's at least an amazing thought exercise at a minimum. Um, because, yeah, like I, nothing's more infuriating than, you know, I go and you do your local ballot measure and they want to talk about like increase of taxes Right. You know, like, hey, you know, we want to increase this tax to fund schools and blankety blank. And it's like I watched all of the, you know, apartment people come out and they all go vote. And I'm like, they're literally voting on how much I pay in taxes because they're not going to. True. Yeah. Or at least not in any sense, the amount that I do, because it's all based on property tax. So they increase the property tax. That means my property taxes go up. That means I have to pay more. They really won't, especially sure. because if it's in a liberal city, they have rent control. So it's not like their rent will increase anyway. Right. So I wonder how that works in like New York. My God. Like you have uh, to be super rich to own any land in New York City. And it certainly would not surprise me if in places like New York City, they probably, I, I mean, I'd be curious what the property taxes are and what they even go to. Because if you were a property owner in New York City, you'd have a lot of money to, say, spend on lobbying the election to not to do that to you. <laughs> You're already paying millions just to have some apartment there. Well, yeah, you are. But if you're the property, if the people that own property in New York City are millionaires, if not right. billionaires. Yeah. Or like large corporations that own a bunch of like million multi-million dollar buildings. I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't be spending money to ensure that they're not paying, uh, that they're paying less tax. Yeah, that's, that's I, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole. We could probably do New York as a use case for hours on end and it would be terrible. Um, <laughs> most certainly probably infuriated. Why are you this dumb? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Uh, but those are some of our predictions for Tuesday. There might be more. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Like, I don't, I don't care about being right about this. I hope I'm wrong about most of them. Um, well, except for the rioting thing, to be fair, I do kind of want that to happen. Yeah. And we, we said before, I want that to happen simply because it would be, um, I want and maybe I don't know if I'm ever going to get this, 
<laughs> but what I want is for the depravity of the left to become so on display that it is inignorable by normal people so that they can so that they can stop being tricked mm-hmm. i guess is, is how i feel i feel that the left preys on normal people by tricking and tricking them into supporting them and i want it to become so obvious that that's a bad idea that they are essentially liars they don't have their best interests at heart that normal people start seeing it as uh as that as well there's this group of normal people that want normal good things and then there's this people group of crazy people that want crazy things and which way should which way should i vote and support well the crazy people seems like a crazy option like i i think of the democrat voting americans i know and go you know they are absolutely hurt by these policies but they i think a lot of them feel like they can't actually advocate for uh, against them because it's like well but then the but then the bad guys win and I want the left to become so obviously the bad guys that normal people uh, essentially change their view. That normal people go, yeah, they're the bad guys. Okay, like I can I can actually advocate for the things that are good for me because I'm don't I'm not terrified the bad guys are gonna win. Like how many Americans are going? Man, I want gas to be less. I want all of these like like none of this is necessary. Things should be better than this. But are right now going, ah, but I can't support the evil Republicans. I want those people to feel okay supporting Republican candidates because they're so fed up with Democrats. They go, yeah, these Democrats are awful, evil, and violent, and vile, and hypocrites. I don't know. I feel like that would help us. That would be a, that would be a huge thing. That's why I want there to be crazy riots that make it inignorable what the left actually is. Yeah, that it's all about power. That at right. the end of the day, it's all about power. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's a lot of it too, is there actually are a lot of suburban women, which was the, as we've said, the target demographic for Democrats, they have almost all but lost that support over the COVID protocols in schools. They've also lost that support over a lot of the transgender stuff. People don't like seeing their children manipulated and it doesn't matter how good it felt to be a Democrat before. It feels real, real, real bad now for suburban women to see their children used as a weapon, manipulated, and their rights being taken away. That's more important than the right to abortion with which they would never exercise. But they exercise their parental rights every single day. And I think that that's actually going to be one of the big takeaways from Tuesday. But we'll have to see how it plays out. That's the end of the program for this week. We may do a broadcast on Tuesday to cover some of the election, depending on how it's going down. We'll see. So just stay, stand by for that. If not, we'll cover it next Sunday. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. And I'm from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you guys noon next Sunday.